This message is brought to you by Cornerstone Gospel Church in Frankston, Australia. No, Proverbs 31, that's where we'll be going, so open your Bibles there. But there have been uh, two very, very special women in my life. Um, and one is obviously my wife, and, you know, we we have always made a point um, that I'm not so much the, the person who needs to wish her a happy Mother's Day. That's, that is her children who should rise and call her blessed and they should wish her a happy Mother's Day. Um, but I do wish her a happy Mother's Day and I hope she has an enjoyable one. But another, another woman in my life that God really blessed me with is my own mum. Uh, you know, she's not a believer, and um, my mum is 95. She is a cancer survivor. When she was 40, she was diagnosed with malignant melanoma. Um, that cancer was definitely going to be terminal, except that the doctor had noticed it early uh, while doing a, a pregnancy test. Back in the day, they used to do that and, and um, he noticed the um, mole on the inside of her leg and so at uh, a few days after I was born, mum was flown from the country town where we lived to um, Melbourne to the Royal Women's Hospital, I think it may, may be Royal Melbourne Hospital um, and she was treated for that cancer and, uh, you know, my mum is 95 now. Um, just recently, she's moved into an aged care facility, um, and I mean recently, just weeks ago, she's lived on her own. And uh, since my father passed away in 1993, she's lived on her own all this time, uh, done a remarkable job. And I just want to say how much I love my mum. Uh, she's just, you know, for an unbeliever, she's just one of the kindest, uh, most selfless people that I've ever known, and um, so, you know, they're an era, they're a bygone era, that generation, and, uh, you know, sad will be the day when they've all finally gone and they're disappearing far too quickly. Let's turn to um, uh, Proverbs chapter 31, and I want to, um, while I, I think that... Um, Mother's Day is, is a good thing. I think it's a pity that people need to be reminded. It's a real pity that we need to remind people to honour their mothers. Um, and as the family becomes more and more broken down in our societies, this becomes more of an important issue. And uh, womanhood, uh, the idea of, uh, of a genetic female, someone who is born with the attributes of a female and goes through stages of puberty uh, and on into womanhood and, and uh, would birth children uh, by, by conception from a man, so a woman and a man complementing each other. Womanhood is, is something that has uh, in recent times really come under attack and 
even though we had the women's liberation movement, which was supposed to elevate uh, women in society, now we have this idea of people transitioning into womanhood, and uh, and this is destroying true uh, biblical womanhood. And so um, that's not the direction I want to head in. I want to issue an apology to uh, women this morning because you've been ripped off. and. Um, how have we been ripped off, you may ask? Well, I believe it is in virtue and in character that you have been ripped off, uh, and I believe this is a curse. And so let's turn to Proverbs 31. We'll read this morning from the New American Standard, and let's, let's read there. An excellent wife, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength strength, and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates where, when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Our Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to share your word, uh, Lord, in, in this avenue online. Uh, we thank you for those brothers and sisters from our church community and others who've been in, in touch with us over time, and we ask you, Lord, that you would bless each of them uh, through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. May the Lord take his word and bless it to our hearts this morning and our lives. You know, we can read Proverbs 31, um, and if you're a woman, you can read that text and you can think, well, this is an amazing standard to live by, uh, and there's probably some men who think, wow, my wife doesn't meet that standard. Um, wish my wife was that way. And um, 
you know, these kinds of things, I don't want to focus on that this morning. So um, obviously there is a standard in Proverbs 31 that is worth aiming for, and so I would encourage you to do that. However, where does our apology begin to the ladies in our society? Well, first of all, we have, as a society, encouraged mediocrity over loyalty and excellence. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. This is where the men of our society have to stand up. What, what kind of woman are you after? Are you after the latest uh, social influencer? Is that, is that what you're after? Or someone who is externally uh, beautiful? Are you after someone who will flatter you? and make you feel good about yourself because that's not what Proverbs uh, calls excellence. And one of the key characteristics in our text is that there is trust within this relationship. And unfortunately, trust is no longer a virtue, uh, a, a principal virtue that people look for in the world around us. Um, The scripture says that the heart of her her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of his life. And this is an important issue. Um, I've worked with many men who say the most disparaging things about women and with women who have said, you know, disparaging things about men. And much of it is rooted in this issue of trust, that there's no trust in their relationships with one another. Um, and I have worked with men, uh, one man that I worked with when I was just a, a young man. I think we, we only had at that stage one child. And um, uh, I worked with this fellow who used to call his wife a couple of times in the morning and then would go home for lunch and then he'd call her in the afternoon. He lived nearby and so... He would sometimes duck out and do a drive by the house uh, to make sure that she wasn't cheating on him. And, uh, you know, that was that was the fabric of their relationship. Now, there is a, a kind of a, a um, idiom that goes around the conservative Christian world, and it, it's something like this. Women shouldn't be in the workforce. Um, but since they have been allowed to work, wages have decreased and house prices have gone up, domestic violence has increased, and there's been more marriage failure because of infidelity, all because women are in the workforce. You may laugh um, at the hearing of this, thinking, I've never heard this before, but I have. In fact, I've been at a seminar where this was basically taught. And um, uh, there are some implications with this because it suggests that um, when women enter the workforce, that weaknesses they may have would put them susceptible to marital unfaithfulness. Now, so the question is, have, have women who entered the workforce been unfaithful? And the answer is clearly yes. And so, uh, you know, some women have some women have. Uh, Who did they become unfaithful with? Well, mostly men uh, in this day and age 
it may not only be men, but mostly men. And so if we use this same logic, we could turn this around. Men who've entered the workforce have become unfaithful. You know, it's just um, logic. So why don't we keep men from entering the workforce? Surely that would solve the problem as well. Most cases of infidelity are in the workplace are, are only an indicator of deeper issues. And that's really where the problem lies. And, you know, in our text here in Proverbs, it says that the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. Heart of her husband trusts. Heart, trust. You know, love and faith. This is just like our relationship with the Lord that is is built on faith in Christ and we experience the love of God and we love him because he first loved us. A marriage has to have within it love and trust. These, these are virtues that, uh, that can't be done away with. They have to be there. It's, it's so essential that that is within the marriage relationship, love and trust. He trusts in her. A marriage that is built on a true foundation and a biblical foundation is is going to have trust at its core and that's what you know that's what the vows are all about that within the vows that we commit to one another in a wedding we trust uh, we we commit to a vow of trust that forsaking all others I will cleave only to you um, we say and and so you know should women be in the workforce, well, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a bit egalitarian about this. I think that that can be settled within a person's own marriage. Um, however, just as not all men are married, not all women are married either. And in our society in which we're in, the unmarried women um, probably need an income as well. So women are going to be in the workforce, and I don't think Proverbs 31 indicates that a woman there is not somehow engaged in market or in trade. And that is, in a broader sense, a workforce. And many are the farming and primary industry uh, husbands and wives who have both taken responsibility regarding that kind of thing. So the issue is much less about women in the workforce. The issue is about the needs of your family. So... While I say that I am uh, quite egalitarian on this issue of should women be in the workforce, um, the issue of the needs of your family is is a different one. That's a, a separate question, and that issue needs to be answered within your family. So Suzanne and I, when we were uh, newlyweds, Suzanne was working for a short period of time and then um, you know, next thing we discovered that she was uh, going to have a baby. She'd become pregnant. And so as time went on, it became too difficult for her to work and she stayed at home. Well, then next thing we've got two, three and four kids, um, all within a short span of years. And we decided at that point that it was going to be better to have Suzanne at home with the children, providing that stable uh, home life um, and caring for the children that would be good for them 
next thing, we went out and became missionaries anyway, and so that was really part of our lifestyle there. Um, and that's when we started to homeschool, and we brought that homeschooling back to Australia with us, and we continued doing that most of the time. So the the issue that I'm getting at is that your family is really uh, up to you, and it's not going to be dictated by um, a, a church as to how exactly you should run it, but you should attempt to each be biblical believers within your home. Should women work? Well, I'll, I'll let you work that out. However, once you have family, there are responsibilities uh, that come along with this, and there is no mistaking the stability that is provided to children by having the presence of, of mum at home with them uh, in, in their formative years and, and being able to be home with them as they, uh, you know, as they grow. So, ladies, if you want to be an excellent wife, don't settle for mediocrity over loyalty and excellence. Win the trust of your husband. And those around you, if you're a single person, win the trust of those around you. Let them see that you're a loyal and excellent person that you can be trusted in. Um, you know, and men, if you want that kind of wife, then be that kind of man. Be a virtuous man. Um, more on men coming up. Uh, not today. Let's stick with the ladies. You know, and husbands. If you want that kind of wife, then love her. And loving your wife uh, is is foundational. I mean, it's it really is a bit tragic that we we have to talk so much about this issue, but we're so removed from what biblical love really, truly, genuinely is that we uh, that we often forget the importance of of this one particular point. Well, let's move on. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. So how have we hurt the women in our lives? Well, we have undervalued personal diligence and labour. I mentioned my mum earlier. You know, my childhood was filled with um, homemade, homegrown, uh, home-produced produce. Uh, my parents made stuff. They grew stuff. They butchered meat. They, you know, they would buy a, a half a pig and Dad would butcher it and they would freeze it. And um, they packed stuff. They froze stuff. They, they stewed stuff. Uh, they bottled things, pickled things, made all kinds of sauces. Mum knitted. I mean, I was probably one of the few kids at school who, who went to school in a jumper that was in the school colours with the school uh, colour coatings on the, on the collar. Um, hand-knitted, wasn't bought at the shop because we just couldn't afford it. And, um, you know, they sewed and um, I would regularly get the buttons ripped off my shirt, being a typical larrikin at school. And uh, lo and behold, mum would patch them, she would sew them, um, all these kinds of things. Why did they do that, this, this generation? See, today um, socks and shirts and things are so cheap that uh, we don't think the idea of darning a, a sock or, or stitching up a, a school shirt is, is foreign to us because um, today these things are comparatively cheap compared to the budgets we live in. And 
Why did they do it? Well, because they just couldn't afford the alternatives. You know, they couldn't afford to buy these things and just replace them. And so with diligence uh, and with labour, they produced these things and, and did that kind of stuff. So, you know, my my mum is 95. She grew up through the Great Depression as a child. And so, you know, um, one chicken would be used in the dinner for her whole family, five siblings and two parents and sometimes a farm worker as well. And um, and that would be the case. One, one chicken would be um, uh, cooked and, and divided between everybody as well as homegrown vegetables, all that kind of thing. Um, that, that was normal life. Then the carcass was boiled down to make a, a chicken soup, all those kinds of things. That was just normal life. Um, you know, and that was uh, poverty in the rural farming families um, up along the Mallee and those areas, you know, but people didn't look down on the poor because much of society was poor. Uh, the, the wealthy were an anomaly. Uh, not many people comparatively back in those times of the Great Depression owned a car, owned a house, um, let alone have two cars and, and a couple of um, motorcycles and all these kinds of kind of things, you know, and the government wasn't there to, to bail people out. And so they learned the value of things, including the value of patience. They, you know, they didn't eat out um, all the time. And, um, you know, these kinds of things, these are important. She rises while it's still night. The scripture says, and and um, and she gives food to her household and portions to her to her maidens. Eating out and takeaway um, are generally not good choices. But the Proverbs thirty-one wife, she's taking care of her family. She's providing nutrition to her family and looking after them. Uh, all these things, and so you know, we we probably have people today who say, "Oh, but I just can't cook." You see, my mum, my my mother was a working mother because we we had to, and so because she was a working mother, um, we lived on takeaway, um, you know, and it was frozen dinners and all that kind of thing. Listen, let me tell you, if I can learn to cook the basics, you can learn. Anybody can. If I can learn to cook, anybody can learn to cook. Trust me. And um, uh, it's just rubbish. How about just making an effort? How about getting online and, and getting a recipe and actually follow the recipe step by step, read through all the rubbish that's on top of the recipe and get down to it. You know, you don't have to be a Michelin star chef to produce good, healthy food for your family. It's not that hard to learn to care for your loved ones. And, um, and there's no shortage of tutorials on the web. Well, reading along, um, verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her grain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. She stretches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. So society has undervalued the character and um, instead it has 
um, promoted the idea of um, uh, success. So it's undervalued character in favor of success. So, you know, this is, this is important because today, you know, people are measured by, uh, in, in society by the value of the success they've contributed to the world around them. And, and so you have, um, you know, the Anthony Robbins of the world and teaching these, these self-help gurus, all this kind of stuff. And, um, but here's a woman. Note, note the thing. She's kind to the poor. She works with her hands. She's producing things with her hands, uh, all this kind of stuff. She's kind, prepared, and diligent, this woman. She takes care of herself. She's making financial choices. She's investing in those choices um, and seeing them come to further fruit. Uh, she sees that the provisions uh, and the needs of her sphere of influence are taken care of around her. She is prepared for changing conditions. Did you notice that? She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. The point there is not the colour of the fabric. The point is the, um, the, the care and consideration she's taken to prepare the right clothing for the right circumstances. Um, you know, she, she's prepared for these things. Contrast that with uh, those who are making a career out of being social influencers. Um, you know, these people who are uh, making wealth for themselves by essentially living and promoting a selfish lifestyle, a, a lifestyle that, um, uh, you know, that, that is one to be envied and desired by others because they're taking photographs of themselves in, in lovely clothing that's being given to them by sponsors uh, from lovely locations to which they've flown because sponsors have flown them there so that they can photograph it and promote their tourist business, all this kind of thing. Let me tell you, these people shouldn't be called social influencers. They are a social influenza. That's what they are. And that's a vaccine that I would get behind, how we can vaccinate the community from the effect of these social influenza. Um, you know, the rights and equality movements have elevated the socially ambitious woman as a success. That's, that's what's happened in our world. We've taken the woman who can do everything and make a career and make millions of dollars and invest in wealth and property and all these kinds of things. We've taken that person and we've said, here is a success. Ladies, if you're not doing this and raising a family, then you're only mediocre. I, I despise that kind of thinking because if you do one thing well, raise your family. If you do one thing well, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Win your husband's trust. Do that well. And if you can manage the other stuff as well, then, then that's amazing. But do that well. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What else is there? Have his pleasure on your life. And, you know, what else is there other than that? You see, the argument's always put forward that if somehow you oppose this idea of women being autonomous and, uh, and ambitiously successful, that, that you are repressing women and driving them back into violent homes, which is as much to say 
that homes are basically violent places. And that is just not true. Now, I did not say that there is not violence within homes. There is, and any of it is too much. Any violence in a home is too much. But what I'm saying is that to to be proud of your efforts as a homemaker, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to buy into society's lie uh, about how you are supposed to be successful at this and successful at that and successful at this and successful at that and then throw a family into the mix as well. Put God first, put your family right there next, and then let the other things flow out of that because society is robbing you. Let's read on. 23. Her husband is known at the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her saying, and um, uh, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. See, another thing society has robbed is it's robbed women of modesty. Now, just think about this for a moment because there are characteristics that men and women should have. Women and men should not defraud one another. And, you know, so um, I'm not suggesting that, um, that women should work, walk around in um, whatever they call that uh, clothing from the Islamic religion, hijab or, um, or burqa, whatever it is. But modesty is something that's really important. Because modesty comes down to not just dress. It comes down to the way we behave around others. Um, uh, when we're at school, we might have said about a girl who was um, a bit loose, we might have said that she, she puts out. In other words, she's sending out a signal that she's interested in you. And this is not the Proverbs 31 woman. She's, she's not doing that. She holds herself with a sense of dignity. And her husband is respected because of that dignity that she has. She's, she's not um, uh, focused on the externals, whether that's beauty or fashion. That doesn't mean she's walking around like a slob, um, but she's not focused on those things that are unchangeable. You know, I can't change the way I, I look, um, and neither can Suzanne. Um, uh, by and large, you, you know, we can't do anything about that. This is who I am. Uh, Suzanne is who she is, and I love her for who she is, not for what a, an ideal of what I think she should be. Um, and th this is really important because society has robbed women of modesty and it's put, it puts out these stereotypes of what women should be like. We know that the modelling uh, industry was criticised heavily for this because women were um, basically uh, had eating disorders and all kinds of things trying to uh, be um, successful models and all that type of stuff. 
You know, real beauty is the spiritual adornment of the heart. That's that's what real where you should, as a woman, really adorn that beauty. And if we men have focused on the external so much that it has caused our women to also focus on that, um, then shame on us. Let's come to a close here. Verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. It's slipping away. You know, that's, that's, what, that's what's happening. It's slipping away. You know, charm is deceitful. Because, in fact, um, you know, when somebody says, oh, he's charming, um, that's not exactly praise because it implies a certain insincerity about a person whereby they can win someone over uh, with that insincerity. So charm is deceitful and uh, beauty is vain. Why is it vain? Because it's fleeting and it's only surface where the real beauty of a beautiful woman is the adornment of the heart. But a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her praise, uh, let her works praise her in the gates. You see, we have undervalued piety. And this is really the, the secret of the Proverbs 31 wife. This is the key to it right here, and that is that she fears God and seeks to obey his word. Out of this comes a walk with God that is blessed, to fear the Lord and obey his word. This leads to a woman who has the blessing of God on her life. And the product of her hands is what is blessed. That's not just that she knits a jumper. It's talking about it's talking about everything she has put her hands to, the raising of her children, the care of those in need, the care of her husband and her family members, her industry that she's put her hands to, whether it's the investments and whatever it may be, that through these things all of the product of her hands is blessed. Her works are a praise to her, is what Proverbs 31 says. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. In the gates is this phrase about where the elders of the town would gather and they would discuss and they would be um, uh, approached by members of the community when they wanted to settle an issue or discuss an issue going on within the community. And the point that um, uh, Proverbs 31, 31 is making is that in that place where the elders are talking and uh, and speaking about the community and making recognition of people, they see the Proverbs 31 wife and they say, here's a woman, here's a woman of honour. Look at her industry with her life. Her true beauty is within. She fears God. That's where her true beauty is. So, you know, husbands and wives, we need to be constantly on the guard and not, not to allow Satan to move into the realm of our marriages and families because he will seek to break up our homes. And, um, you know, so we need to have the spiritual mature, 
material and 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 physical uh, needs of our families. Uh, we need to be meeting those needs primarily, as a take them as a responsibility to each other, because when those um, issues are not being uh, taken care of, that's when the enemy can really step in and he can exploit a family as a as a res- result of that. So it's especially important to be on guard. Um, and, you know, as you go through the years, this doesn't change when the children leave. Um, many of the um, couples who've said we'll, we'll stay together for the children's sake and then when the children leave, they, they leave each other and it's a, it's a terrible shame um, that they came to that point. Um, but let's, let's really seek the Lord to help us to be to help us to be the right person for our marriage partners, that um, that you and I as husbands would love our wives as Christ loved the church, that we would encourage uh, loyalty and excellence, that we would uh, value personal diligence and labour, that we would value character, that we would uh, uh, encourage Modesty, biblical modesty, which does not only deal with the physical apparel, uh, although that is helpful, ladies. Uh, you know, I know that one person described modesty as being a woman's attempt to to have uh, a man's attention drawn to her face and and not the shape of her body. Um, so let's let's value modesty, which does not only include the apparel. Uh, but it includes the attitudes and and not defrauding uh, other people. And let's also value piety and the fear of God. Hallelujah. Uh, Father, we thank you for this morning. We praise you for Proverbs 31. We know, Lord, that it is an extremely high calling. But help us as men, Lord God, to love our wives as your son loved us and gave himself. Help us to remember that, that this is the prime calling uh, of us as husbands regarding our wives, that we would love them as you loved us through your son. And so we praise you. Help us, Lord, to encourage uh, in our wives these virtuous attributes, Lord God, which really start with the inner person of the heart. Uh, Lord, we praise you and we thank you this morning. I thank you so much, Father God, this morning for those who've joined with us online. We praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. You're welcome to duplicate this message in its entirety for non-profit purposes. For more information and resources, visit cgc.org.au.